Hello, yogis. Shan here with uh, such a special guest today, Staria McKinstry, who's one of my favorite people in the world, and I have the biggest girl crush on her, and <laughs> if you've met her, you do too, so don't act weird, because we all do. Um, so we're going to be talking about Ayurveda today, and um, she is an expert in this, so really, I'm just going to listen. So Staria, first, will you just tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, well, first, I have a girl crush on you, too. So. Thanks, buddy. Sure. <laughs> um, so about me, I uh, am from Alaska, and I moseyed my way to the Midwest and, um, and then kind of crept along to... I don't know. Where do you call this area? Indiana? Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the, the middle of the country. Um, and I started really looking at uh, health and wanting to know more about health. So I went to the IU School of Medicine for Public Health and I got my master's. And then I decided that I didn't want to be a part of the mm -hmm. public health world. <laughs> and so then I went on to study yoga and Ayurveda and I love it. So, yeah. And fun fact, you were a dancer. Yes, so we share that. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Ayurveda, can you break break it down? What is it? Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. And Ayurveda allows our physical body to be healthy so that we can dive into our spiritual practice um, as well as carry out our purpose in life by being more balanced and more in tune with what we're needing. So Ayur means? Ayur means science and Veda is life. Okay. So it's the science of life, which, yeah. I mean, what more can you say? <laughs> and it's, so when I, when I started being curious about it, my first... My first, I guess, um, reaction or thought was that it was all about food, but it's much more than just what you eat, right? So can you talk about kind of the expanse of the practices of Ayurveda? Yes. So I think that is definitely um, the main perception is that it's all about diet, but actually one of the, the very first things that Ayurveda looks at is the mind because the mind... Uh, controls everything else down to our cellular level. So if we're having negative thoughts, um, we're gonna have more negative things come up in the body, dis-ease or disease. Um, and so Ayurveda really dives into a deep meditation practice, but depending on the dosha or the qualities that you have, there's different meditation practices that will help to um, just benefit you that much quicker or cut through maybe the stagnation in the mind or maybe the unease, um, flightiness of the mind. So there's different meditation practices for the doshas so that it really can um, settle and then start to work on the body with food. Hmm. And there's also a component of um, like, I think westernized, we'd say self-care, but like yes. massage and brushing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So um, we have self-care practices are key in Ayurveda for just 
helping the body clear the channels, but also nourishing the body as well. So let's say we have somebody that feels really flighty, anxious a lot, dizzy, um, lightheaded, has hard time remembering something. That's excess wind and air within this, this person, or they're very much more of a vata um, person. Uh, Self-practice for them would be oiling, it's called abhyanga massage, and it's oiling the body for about 15 to 20 minutes every day before you get in the shower. Our skin is the largest organ on our body and it needs to be fed. And what happens with the oils, it actually has to be digested through the layers of skin. Um, and so it, it helps the muscles, the joints, our nervous system, everything that's running underneath the skin layers also is affected by the oil. So making sure that you have a really good um, oil, organic oil and herbs can be added to that mm. is really nourishing and very grounding. And then another self-practice on the opposite end is dry brushing for somebody that is really stagnant has a lot of maybe mucus, um, tends to get congestion a lot, more of a kapha type person. They don't need excess weight, what they need is lightning. So instead of dousing um, with a lot of the oils, you would take a dry brush and you would dry brush the skin to get invigoration, to get more energy moving throughout and also to help move the lymph, which can, which can also be stagnant. So those self-practices are just little differences depending on how you're feeling and there's also things like drinking warm water in the morning um, self practices of how how to eat how to sit down to eat um, yeah morning routine evening routine all these things have a profound effect on on our, every, our everyday yeah life and so there to me there's like three three things I think you'd have to understand about Ayurveda to really dive into it and one is that it's based off of the elements right correct yes um, so can you talk a little bit about that yes so the elements are ether or space air fire water earth we are as well as every single thing in this planet and beyond is said to be made up of these five elements just in different proportions. So it's not like you don't contain any earth. And even if you're somebody that is mainly more air quality, you still have that earth quality within you. Um, it's just that there might be less of it. It might be that you're born with just less of it or you've been depleted. So we would kind of look at where, you're, where you are um, on that spectrum. If it's a depletion, then there's ways to build that up. But, um, uh, the the elements create the doshas. So the three doshas are vata, pitta, kapha. Um, and then they also creep in into the taste. So sweet, sour, salty, pungent, bitter, and astringent. So the elements play a huge role in Ayurveda and understanding um, as well as the elements outside, like nature elements, what is happening on, in nature um, and balancing our bodies during the different seasons can also help with the elemental changes. Wow, well, you just you just answered the other two, which are oh, okay. the doshas, which uh, maybe in a second you can go further into the categories of the doshas, and then the seasonality, because I think um, I think in Western culture we try to fix things as they are, you know, or seasonality of things is very 
brief like it's like Halloween and you're already seeing Christmas decorations like we don't live in the seasons we're always moving to the next one Mm -hmm. and my experience of Ayurveda which you can totally be like uh lol's wrong (laughs) is that like I need to live in the season and like there's a there's a consistency to keep with in that season and then at the appropriate time it shifts yes so yeah okay so could you talk about first the doshas and then kind of how how the seasons yeah. The seasonality of things play into that. Yes. Um, so we have Vata, Pitta, Kapha, Doshas. Vata is their Ethan air. Pitta is water and fire. And um, Kapha is our most dense. So that's uh, earth and water. Um, and we look at Vata as not so also just like the elements we contain all three of these it's not like one of we don't have one and a lot of times people are like well I don't like that one so that doesn't resonate (laughs) with me and I'm like well sorry that's not really how it works (laughs) um and we you know we gravitate towards one because we want people to think that that's how we are but that's not always the case Mm -hmm. so there's there's beautiful things about at each dosha qualities and um so vata are the very creative people they're the people that imagine things they're the spontaneous spontaneous people that can just be like yeah i'm doing this and this and oh yeah i'm gonna go here for a year and like they're fun to be around they're joyful mm-hmm. um they can be their body type may be a little bit more on the slender, small bones, taller, or really, really short side, but that's not always the case. So just body type doesn't necessarily categorize you, but in general, um, they, the diseases though that, and the, the imbalances that they tend to get is more like brittle hair, dry skin, um, eczema because of constipation, bloating, lots of gastrointestinal type stuff. Um, And then later on in life, if that's not taken care of, um, like arthritis and those types of things where things are literally drying up from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So for them, we're really wanting to look at moisturizing, like oil, oil internally, externally, grounding practices, routine, warm things to eat, warm things to drink. Uh, And then we have Pitta, which is our fire and water. These people are really direct. They've got a goal and like they shoot straight to the goal no matter what they have to do, right? They're um, very focused and um and driven and competitive usually pretty good athletes uh really good business type people um but they can see a lot of burnout pretty fast um they can be unpleasantly um competitive those people that like <laughs> f you i'm gonna <laughs> i don't care if you're my wife i'm gonna you know but <laughs> so it's excess heat <laughs> Um, and then, so, so they're very driven people, but what we can see is the fire runs too hot in them sometimes. So a lot of headaches, um, breakouts in the skin, acid reflux, indigestion, um, bad tempers, quick to snap. Um, and so what we need to focus on with with Pitta is balance, self-care, 
looking within a lot of times pitta people look without for valid outside themselves for validation that's Mm -hmm. this drive that they have but um refocusing their they're looking inward towards the heart space um really realizing that they are enough no matter how many more accolades or how many more promotions they get and cooling the heat so for pitta people it's really making sure that they have cooling practices drinking cooling teas having more cooling type foods in their diet to and then using pranayama and meditation to cool the mind which is a really big part for pitta people yeah, I feel personally attacked on both Vada and Pitta. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> feeling, feeling, Remember, feeling attacked. So good chance. <laughs> out of balance. <laughs> Parts. Oh, God. And then Kapha gets the bad rap. It's really sad because the more, more I study about Kapha, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I really was more Kapha. <laughs> Same. No. These kapha people, um, kapha is earth and water, so it's the stability. They are um, physically people that might have a little bit bigger bones, more voluptuous, just may hang on to a little bit more weight than other people, but they're so grounded and they have stability within their body and their mind. So picture a firefighter that can run into a burning building He's not, he or she is not scared of what else is going on around them. They're actually able to be so solid within themselves and within their mind that they carry out the tasks to a T and are not, you know, then holed up under a blanket on their couch for a week afterwards. (laughs) Like, oh my God, that was so traumatic. They're able to move on. And that's that kapha quality of being super stable. Um, they're awesome in the fact that they're usually very family oriented, very loving, want to make sure that everybody is taken care of and feel nourished and loved. Um, so, and out of balances, there's a lot of congestion, a lot of weight gain because kapha people can tend to have slow digestion. So even they go on a water cleanse and they gain weight. So mm. for them, it's really important to have some spice and digestive enhancing foods and spices and herbs in their diet so that that fire is optimal so that they don't become unhealthily overweight. Um, but they usually have thick hair and big eyes and just mm. like thick lashes and beautiful lips and awesome complexion like because they have oil, that water quality, so they're not super dry and yeah, uh, they are very stubborn people <laughs> and they can be really hard to change. Um, but once they get into something, so it can be hard to get an exercise routine going for Kapha, but once they get into it, they are the people that can last the longest and be the most healthy in their exercise routine and the things that require more of them. So I think one of the things you said that totally changed my perspective on the doshas when I took one of your courses is was about kapha and that often we tend to focus when we talk about the doshas on the negative or it seems like vada or pitta depending on who's giving the discussion (laughs) gets like praised and then everybody else is a failure and (laughs) what i you said kaphas tend to be the people that you call they're they're the one that nurture Mm. others and you call when you really need somebody and I thought about all the people in my life that are the dearest to me in that way Mm. and they all have to be kaphas 
And when I went through pregnancy, my um, there are two types of you have vicruti and property. Property, and which one's the one that changes? Vicruti changes. When I was pregnant, my vicruti what I was very kapha, and I've noticed that since I've had children, even though I'd say I have two percent kapha, it was at one percent before I had kids, and even the you know. My mother is there at the drop of a hat, and I know that's that's a quality of hers, and I don't know if that was before she had kids. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see how we change through our lives and the roles we take on, and then how our, our bodies literally assimilate to those things. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> so on sure. that, talking a little bit about seasonality, both in like the literal fall to winter, but also... Mm-hmm. Life season. Yeah. So I'll start with life season really quick then. Um, so depending on what doshas we have, so um, like you said, Shannon, we have our Vikrati pulse, which is <clears throat> the doshas that are showing up within every minute they're changing. Every day, every season they're changing. And then Prakriti is what we're born with. So that won't change unless, like my teacher, Dr. Lod said, some some Ayurvedic doctors say it has to be a super traumatic event, mm-hmm. crazy, crazy, but very rare does that prakriti ever change. And so, um, and so that prakriti pulse just gives us a baseline of where our balance point is so that we know how we can um, play with our doshas to keep them in balance so that we can be the most optimally healthy that we can and then understanding the vikrity the things that go up and down noticing really what the doshas give us is i try to don't don't really even worry about in the first stages of like what dosha you are or doshas most people are dual um so two are primarily but notice the doshas that create the most havoc in your life the most Mm -hmm. disruption and from there once those things start to balance out from there you're more likely to understand what your underlying dosha your blueprint is with the property pulse so Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm just saying that because people get so caught up like what am i what am i and i'm like what what are you actually experiencing that you don't like that isn't helpful that is bringing you out of balance that is bringing you maybe discomfort or disease or something like that and let's work there first and then yeah things will start to balance out and you'll start to see the the beautiful parts about the doshas well and you shared in the last um program we did um that vata just in our society we tend to need to balance vata just because of how we're conditioned and how we live our lives that that sometimes we don't even know our baseline because we're so influenced by a particular dosha. Yes, yes. And that is a really good point because everyone's running off of vata and pitta. Like, do as much as you can, you know, multitask, put on your mom jacket and then your business jacket and then you, you know, you have all these different hats and um, we're asking people to be more and more ungrounded. Mm-hmm. And so really like, yes, if we can calm some of the movement in the mind and in the body, that alone will drop Vata so that we can, yeah, feel like we're actually in our bodies. <laughs> Again, I feel attacked, Again. but I love you, so thank you. Sure. <laughs> Don't worry. I feel all these things. <laughs> um, so then looking at the lifetime so doshas also show up in the lifetime so between when we're born till about these numbers like age 
differ depending on who you look up. But around your late teens, early 20s is kapha time. And if you think about it, it's the time we're building. We're needing more nourishment. Everything's growing, our brains, our bones, our bodies, and we're needing more fats, all that stuff. So when kids crave pasta and sweet things, it's not that I, I don't tell clients like, we'll give them candy. But I do say, well, I think maybe sweet potatoes and um, carrots and steamed beets and the sweeter and fruits, give them sweeter things because that kapha is um, uh, that sugar, the sweet taste is building and that is kapha's taste. Um, So kapha people, if you're a kapha person, it gets a little tricky, but if you're a kapha person, you stay away from mainly sweets because it will just add to the bulk, add to that stability, um, that thickness. But when you're building, when you need that building, that sweet taste is kapha. Mm. That's the dates and white rice and um, uh, kheer and um, ghee. So all these yummy, heavier things will promote that kapha building. And we want to give that to our kids. They're needing, they're needing that when they're growing. And then our pitta time of life is right, you know, for us right now. So it's from early 20s till about 55. Mm-hmm. And that's that drive. It's when we're starting careers and families and entrepreneurship and adventures and doing all these mind-focused things. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. fire in pitta, it is more predominant during that part of the, our life cycle. And then we get to our vata time of life, so 55 on until we leave this part of our life. And that is the more ethereal air space um, part of our life. In India, it's celebrated when they cross this this Mm. time because then they really dive into their spiritual practices. It is Mm. said that the veil between them living and the veils of the universe is at thinner and they're able to connect with their meditation and yoga practice easier. And so Mm. it's this beautiful spiritual time of life um, to start to contemplate all, all of the beautiful questions about life and mm-hmm. and the 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 vata dosha is assisting with that so that's a beautiful thing about about vata that makes me want to cry that's a good <laughs> way to look at the aging process yeah yeah it's beautiful so then even within um even within the seasons we have like fall to winter even those we can see um like a shift in what we should be like each season has a sort of prevailing dosha is that correct correct yes so um we'll just start with we're going into the winter months so fall winter if you just think about it there's more it's cold and it's more dry and airy so it's our vata time so if you're particularly vata or has a lot have a lot of vata imbalances you want to really pay close attention on making sure that you're attentive to this these seasons the fall and first half of winter um making sure you stay warm and you have warm food and you're doing your abhyanga your oil practices and um these types of things will help ground vata because vata is also very cold and so um we're wanting to make sure you know that the vata period is very nourishing and warming and then we move into springtime. So the late winter, early springtime is 
damp, it's heavy, it's muddy, it's wet, that's kapha time. So people that may be predominantly kapha need to make sure that um, they are staying clear. So really light herbs that work with the the lungs and the sinuses because often that's the time where they get congested congested a lot um and so drinking warm teas doing a lot of more movement um, chest opening Mm -hmm. pumping of the limbs so actually really getting active uh was really important during this time and for everybody just knowing that that dampness and coolness is that kapha time. So we wanna balance that. And then moving into summertime is pitta, heat. We can all get excess heat very mm-hmm. quickly. And um, cooling, doing cooling things like fennel, cumin, coriander tea, or um, coconut water, eating cilantro and mint, and um, putting your feet in cold water to help bring the the heat from the head all the way down the body into the feet. Not working out high noon at, in the summertime because it's just gonna add to excess mm-hmm. <laughs> heat. Yes. And especially if you're a hot head already, it's not gonna, mm-hmm. it's not gonna help that situation. So these are just um, things. And I think it's really interesting that, that the mother nature has given us these things that Ayurveda Um, just finds as wisdom from the earth is the foods that you find naturally during these times help with all of that Mm -hmm. so the things that are in um, say in the summer are going to be more cooling the berries and they help with blood and um, our lettuces everything's lighter so you eat lighter during the summer and then as summer tapers off, there's tons of apples well, and pears and these things that are actually move heat. So if you drink a ton of apple cider, right, most of us will get diarrhea. If you ate a ton of applesauce, well, this is nature's way of actually pooling the heat from our system from the mm. summer out. Because if all that heat stays, we're more likely to get hay fevers and allergies and skin irritations, mm. these types of things. Um so nature gave us the, these things to pull out. And then when we get to um, to winter, it's natural to have those heavier foods like nuts and grains and more um, breads and mac fats and, cheese. and mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then in the springtime, um, you get all the sprouts. So the things ramps. that are really ramps and light things that help balance the heavy qualities of kapha. So if you look at just nature and follow a seasonal diet, just that alone, if you're like, I don't really know what the hell Starry is talking about, <laughs> <laughs> just follow a seasonal, like a true seasonal diet. And mm-hmm. that right there will help your doshas right away. Yeah. I remember you saying that in, in uh, the last course, and I it just blew my mind. Like, I, it's things you know, you yeah, know but we, we take all, for granted, yeah. or we forget, or we're so out of touch with our natural world that um, I've just, the 100-mile diet, have you ever read that book? No. It's about easing, eating not only seasonally, but locally as possible, mm. and it just blew my mind, like, that I used to, and this is not a shame to anyone, but I used to eat strawberries in December that yeah. were shipped thousands of miles to me and had a fraction of the taste and when I go and pick them myself at Spencer's Farm right here in Noblesville and 
It's yeah. not organic, but it's down the street for me and it's in the summer and it just it's just a totally different experience. Um, yeah. And Magnolia asked me the other day, like, I love strawberries. And I, you know, like, shamed her. I was like, we don't eat strawberries. Strawberries are dead until June. Or, you know, said something really horrible like that. So, yeah. So I'm sure that was really the- um, helpful. And I probably changed her dosha because it was traumatic. So, great, great, great. Um, what would you say... What would you say are the biggest crossovers to yoga? Like, how do you see these two? Uh, you mentioned meditation, but how do you see they coexist as practices? Well, one of my favorite things is um, looking at doshic practices, like based yogic practices. So, um, being the sister science of yoga, it uses meditation, like I said, and pranayama, so our breath work to help set us up for the energy, to move the energy through our physical practice. And when we understand um, what's going on for us, maybe what doshas out of balance, using our yoga postures in such a way, which it, it has to do with the pace of the class, the where you gaze, the um, ambience of the room, the lighting, the colors, all of that, take to play on helping to balance that dosha and um yeah i feel that it's a in the west it's such a missed opportunity to really understand how these two sciences really do interact and that it is way more than a just a random choosing of a yoga class and i think any yoga class is beautiful um but we can even start to dial more into the healing benefits of yoga when we understand the dosha and understanding the way the postures allow for that dosha to be either maybe cooled down or needing a little bit more revved up or maybe needing more grounding using them to the vata pitta kapha levels that um yeah that are needed so for example, running a vata balancing class would be more of like a steady, warming, grounding paced class. So that someone that has maybe been traveling a lot, feeling spacey, feeling ungrounded, maybe very dry and just worn out, could come to a vata balancing class and and hopefully, if it's designed right, would leave feeling like they're actually back in their body again and Mm. feeling like vata has calmed down and then they would have the understanding of self-care so when they leave so when they're not doing their yoga practice what can they do outside of the yoga room the yoga studio to keep that balance yeah i think in my working with you which i think i probably came to see you four four or five four years ago I want to say almost four yeah and um if you've never been to an Ayurvedic practitioner they will take your pulse they'll check you look at the eyes right the tongue Mm -hmm. it was such a cool experience and since then just like my evolution of learning from you has really I mean I've been a yoga practitioner for like 12 14 years and I think in the West, we tend to isolate our yoga to our mat, and it's it's just really expanded for me my consciousness and awareness of my everyday from what I eat to how I wake up to how I go to sleep to the moments in between. And then when I'm on my yoga mat, I'm much more informed of like, ooh, I'm making that choice out of like 
overdrive of my pitta or overdrive mm-hmm. of my vata. And so it, for me, it just is the thread that's made my life so much more connected and aware. Mm. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm, and thank you. Like I, I really do. I, I don't like being pregnant, but I will say that <laughs> I enjoyed my pregnancy a little bit more last time because mm-hmm. I was aware of how I was changing. I was so much more present for it than my first yeah. full-term pregnancy. So I think that, yeah, it, we're going to be doing these memberships that are like incorporating Ayurveda and then a yoga membership. And the reason I, you know, had approached you about that was because I think that's what I've gotten to do out of privilege of what I do for a living. Mm. But I think it can be so powerful for people to get to really live consciously. Yeah. Yeah. 24 hours a day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't have to just be the hour on their yoga mat. Yeah. And that's, I think what the beautiful thing about this space that you've created is that is asking people to look outside of the studio too to carry it carry it on. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. If you could say there are three practices that regardless of your dosha you would suggest, what would they be? Drink warm water in the morning before you eat or drink anything else. So actually, okay, back it up. <laughs> <laughs> Brush your teeth and then scrape your tongue. Mm, okay. So Tongue scraping gets rid of the toxins, the off gases from the gut, from the digestive tract at night, but nothing that's going to come out the other end. The gases come up through the mouth and that white coating on your tongue are toxins. So when we re-swallow them, we're just recirculating those toxins and asking our liver and our organs to, yeah, to have to re-filter and that's Mm. a more of a chance of things getting missed and getting stuck as toxins. So, um, scraping our tongue, then drinking hot water, um, and some, depending, most people, hot water with lemon. And it's just like a cleansing of your pipes before, whether you're regular or not, it just is cleaning and extra hydrating in the morning. And then I would say the third one, oh my gosh, there's so many I could say. The third one would be... Can I do four? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do four. Third one will be sit down for a meal. Oh, jeez. Most people don't like, I'm not even asking you to sit down for all three meals, but one of your meals a day, you have to be sitting down and you can't be sitting down at your desk in front of your computer and with your phone. You're actually sitting down with just your food, maybe with a friend or a loved one, but that's it. Um, And you're actually tasting and looking and smelling at what you're eating. And then the fourth one is at night, turning off all your electric appli- electrical appliances, blue lights, things, anything that has lights, anything, screens, all of that. Turn it off two hours before bed and read a book or like play a game or, mm. you know, do those things. And a lot of the insomnia and sleep issues have to do with um, you... Um, yeah, just being too revved oh, up, our active. mind on, our melatonin and sleep cycles are all off. And then we're just like asked to just expect ourselves to hit the pillow and go to sleep. It's not realistic. So turning off and having an easy, calming bedtime routine it can make a world of a difference for sleep. 
Amazing. So, there's my four. Amazing. <laughs> I do three of those four, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, well, you're brilliant, and we're so lucky to have you at Practice Indy in Indianapolis, in the yoga community. I just think you're brilliant, and I know everyone that's learned from you sends me emails. I have them if you'd like to read the receipts <laughs> of how brilliant you are. Um, Thanks, Shannon. So you can work with Saria if you're listening to this still. Um, (laughs) You can work with Saria on your own. She's amazing. I've gone to her individually. It's incredible. We're going to be doing uh, quarterly dosha flows and workshops in 2020. And then we're going to do a select number, like five memberships where you'll have an Ayurveda consult at the beginning, like an hour, hour and a half long. And then you'll have check-ins. It'll be a three-month commitment. But if you're really looking to... Like, I, like I've experienced, be able to really integrate your life in a more yogic way. I cannot recommend working with her and consistently practicing yoga enough. It's certainly changed my life. But Well, yeah. thanks. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to add? I'm excited. No, I think, I think I gave everyone an earful. So well, if you want to know more, yeah. Oh, and your <laughs> YouTube has 52... Oh, yes. So what's the name of that series? Alaska Root Wellness, 52 Weeks of Wellness um, on YouTube. You can find it or you can go to alaskarootwellness.com and there's a link to 52 videos. They're way shorter than this discussion. (laughs) I tried to keep them all within about a minute to three minutes long. And they're just Ayurvedic tips on, you know, and if something resonates with you, then you have like a whole how-to or recipe or that sort of thing. So there's 52 free things out there. You can do one every single week for a year. Brilliant. (laughs) We are brilliant. Thanks for listening, friends. And um, have a great day. Bye. Bye.